Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Danny Carroll. He's from a band called Shrug Life and he's also one of the people responsible for a new compilation album called A Litany of Failures Volume 2, which has just been released. It's the press release says that it's an ambitious 18-track compilation of new music by independent bands from across the country. The compilation is released on double vinyl gatefold and there'll be gigs around the country uh, to, to mark its release. Though depending on when you're listening to the podcast, the perils of podcasting, you might have already missed the gigs. So I'll call them out in a bit. Um... Yeah, Litany of Failures, it started in June 2016. They released a split four-track EP on tape and CD with Obolan, Junk Drawer, That Snake and Shrug Life. Uh, they toiling in obscurity, wielding their antiquated guitars. The split EP gave some strength in numbers to the geographically divided groups. And I think that, and splitting their costs and trading their resources, a sense of community was forged. And I think that that's obviously expanded, uh, what's four into it, like over four times, 4.5 times. Uh, it's now an 18, they've gone from a four track split EP to an 18 track double vinyl split. And yeah, it features some bands that I'm uh, quite familiar with. Um, well, Shrug Life I really, really like. Hot Cops are really good. Junk Drawer from Belfast are great too. And Big Monster Love and No Monster Club. Any Joy from Cork and The Sunshine Factory, also from Cork. They're the two uh, southern representatives on uh, the vinyl release. And then you've got new bands like Postcard Versions who are really, really, really good. That's possibly my favourite track on the release. It's the first one. It's It was the first single that they kind of put up online. And I mean, it grabbed my attention instantly and drew me to this album. I also really like the sounds of Cherim, a very pop punk number near the uh, end of the release. So I think, I don't know. I don't want to say that there's something for everyone. But hey, if you like guitars, you're probably going to like something on uh, a, a Litany of Failures Part 2. Uh, they played Galway and Dublin over uh, July 13th and 14th, and if you're listening to this in time, you can catch them in Belfast on July 19th in the Art Department, Hot Cops, Tua, Junk Drawer, Ghost Office, Shrug Life, and That Snake are playing there. Saturday, J July 21st, they're in the Roundy in Cork, with the Sunshine Factory, Any Joy and Nerves. And Saturday, July 27th, they're playing Pharmacy in Limerick. Fonda, That Snake and another band who's yet to be confirmed are going to be playing. So I sat down with, well, no, I, we were both sitting down, but it was over the phone. Um, I sat down with Danny Carroll to talk about how the first Litany of Failure came together, how Shrug Life are doing their track, which was recorded with uh, Daniel Fox from Girl Band, one of like the best producers in the uh, country right now. And yeah, we talked about how the album came together, the, the perils of release and what's next for everyone. So uh, enjoy this chat with Danny. So um, first of all, I guess, congratulations on a litany of failures part two someone saw that i was uh you sent me the preview link and someone saw that i was listening to it and they were just like they couldn't help laughing at the name oh amazing <laughs> good yeah that is uh, so so 
So congratulations on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, tell like I was wondering like where do you actually start with that? And I guess first of all, let's go back to the start, and then we'll we'll finish up with talking about how great a litany of failures volume two is. But like, how did I mean? Tell me about Shrugged Life first. Where when did that start? Uh, sure, uh, Shrugged Life would have started. Uh, I can actually measure it quite clearly based on World Cups. So I think we would have started tentatively jamming. Uh, the uh, 2014 when the when the other World Cup was on uh, the last one rather and uh, yeah that band started then it's a three piece that I play in and, and write the songs for uh, along with Josh Donnelly on drums and Keith Brony on bass um, who is a world famous emoji translator if you want to Google him uh, but that's a side point uh, so then we. Um, we were like really inspired by the Popical Island Collective. Like our first gig was playing an all-day Popical Island gig um, in January 2015, and they put out our first EP in July 2015. And been going to a lot of Popical Island gigs over the years. I was really inspired by the sense of community and DIY that that collective fosters. And they put out these fantastic compilations. There's three Popical Island compilations that I would strongly recommend anybody investigate if they have any interest in local music. Um, so that was that was a kind of jumping off point and an inspiration for uh, both my own band and also this Litany of Failures compilation that we're doing at the moment. Um, so my band is featured on it, Shrug Life, um, as well as a rake of different bands from Dublin, from Belfast. We've got two bands from Cork couple of bands from Galway, a band from Limerick, Letterkenny, and Derry as well. So it's a kind of all across the Emerald Isle compilation. Uh, w- was it a really sad thing when Popical Island kind of disbanded or ended? Uh, well, I mean, I can't really speak for the uh, the ending of it. I would say it's dormant like a volcano. Um, it, it's a case that, you know, people get older and I'm sure their priorities change and... Um, you know, there's there's a legacy there insofar as, you know, like a great band like Ultramond were all Popical Island members and had various different bands and, and they're still making fantastic music together. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't really speak. I suppose I was always a, a periphery figure in their world. But um, hopefully, you know, there, there's a legacy there that people kind of remember and, and return to and are inspired by. Um, I certainly say I was inspired by the stuff that they did and the kind of music they made and the way they made it. Did, did you kind of talk to them when you were planning the Litany of Failures part one, a four track EP that was released in uh, June 2016? and Junk Drawer, That Snake and Shrugged Life released tracks on the EP. Did you kind of like... D- X. Hmm? Uh, excellent research. Uh, excellent well, great, research. great press release that you sent me. It was like, oh, great, that... that. <laughs> <laughs> that does the job for me. Um, in answer to your question, no, it wasn't really discussed with. I didn't like. We, we didn't kind of hit them up for advice or anything. We just kind of, uh, you know, uh, were inspired by what they had done and kind of followed suit in a way. Um, so there wasn't really any any discussion with the Popical Island elders or anything like that. But. Uh, I would hope that they improved of our endeavors and uh, like some people that were on Popical Island compilations as well are featured on the Litany of Failures compilation that we're bringing out this week. 
um, like DOS, for example, a band from Galway, they would have been on one of the Popcorn Island compilations. They they have a new song on Litany of Failures. Also, No Monster Club and Big Monster Love, uh, two kind of Popcorn Island uh, acts. So, like, certainly it's still like a jumping off point for me in terms of uh, people that I was looking to get on the compilation. You know, uh, some of those people came to mind, and I suppose that's kind of a continuation. Although I'd say Litany of Failures is uh, less jangle and more i don't know it, it's heavier i suppose darker brooding <laughs> uh there's some different different shades on it to uh to popical island i would say um like just coming back to like the the kind of the start of everything with with you guys like did did you were you in bands before shrug life like did you know other acts or was it kind of like popical island kind of gave you the you know, community aspect of like, oh, this band we can relate to, that band we can relate to, we can maybe do something with them or we like their sound, we should talk to them about stuff. Was it was it that that started it or were you already like kind of like a, a social type band that you knew loads of people anyway? Uh, uh, well, like in terms of the Shrug Life uh, band that uh, I play in and, and uh, that whole thing it, it's a case that um we hadn't really been i we hadn't really been in bands or or before like it's our it's our first band in a way like our first band that we'd be out gigging with like since we were in secondary school uh you know not since like the days of battle of the bands kind of things uh none of us had been in a band and uh i suppose from my perspective i've done a lot of local music journalism much like your cell phone and uh, would have known a lot of people around Dublin and uh, you know people from Popical Island being one aspect of us and uh, yeah I mean I suppose they they did midwife us into existence a little bit insofar as we uh, we like recorded our first CP and album with Fiacre McCarthy who um, recorded a lot of Popical Island bands and uh, we recorded it in their rehearsal space that they used to have and uh, then they put out our first EP and as I said we played our first gig at an all day Popical Island thing so definitely they they helped us a lot initially and then there's people like uh, Paul O'Connor who is from the band Bat Snake who were on the first Litany of Failures compilation and the new one as well um, he was also uh, at the time like running a music blog Medium Presents and I'd written some really insightful think pieces on the Irish music industry. And that's actually how I kind of got to know him first initially. Uh, so we kind of bonded over that. And then our band started playing together quite regularly. And then when it came to kind of tentatively talking about, oh, what if we do a split release together? Uh, I thought it would have a bit more uh, purpose and impact if, you know, we actually got some more people involved, like a band from Belfast, a band from Galway. And that gave us an excuse to kind of break out of our own little bubble of just playing together in Dublin. You know, we obviously already done that a lot. And in order to make it, I suppose, a bit more interesting for people that weren't just fans of us, uh, it was cool to get Junk Drawer from Belfast and O'Bolan from Galway involved. And that's how the first Litany of Failures compilation or EP came about. So we did uh, in 2016, we did a little, you know, three-date thing, Belfast, Dublin, Galway, uh, released the EP on Little L Records, and it was a, a really nice thing insofar as like uh, you know getting to know these other bands that we 
only knew over, you know, social media, you know, we kind of get to hang out with these people over a string of shows and actually um, have a, I don't know, I suppose a sense of strength in numbers in a way. I, I mean, fair play, first of all, for like in two years of, of Shrug Life actually feeling like, OK, we have to kind of get outside of Dublin. I think it's very easy to just kind of stay in that mold of like, you know, we're we're happy just playing the odd gig in Dublin and that'll do us. But you actually did want to try and get out outside of the place as well. Did you find it hard actually getting the gigs yourselves or had you tried before you had done the EP? Um. No, not so much. I suppose that was a that was a jumping off point to make it purposeful and and feel like maybe some people will be watching us. You know, if like we're, I mean, when we, you know, when we played with O'Boland in Galway, obviously they brought their own kind of crowd, and then people got to know us through that, and and a similar thing with Junk Drawer in Belfast, and then. Um, yeah, I mean, that summer, uh, like shortly after that, uh, Shrug Life, we did a tour with SoCal, uh, playing the same the same kind of date. So then, again, it was like a continuation of, of that kind of thing. And um, I don't know, it's important to like play in front of people that weren't just your mates. It's actually quite liberating in a way. I know that some people like, you know, like in terms of like more successful bands, there's that thing of like, oh, can't beat playing to a hometown crowd. But for me, in terms of like my my self awareness, it's there's something very liberating about playing in uh, Belfast or Galway or Cork, where people only know you by virtue of the music you're playing that night, you know, and uh, that can be quite fun. I guess the flip side of that is like, and not to get too negative, it's like, how do we play in Galway and actually make sure that there's more than just a man and his dog there? So I guess that something like this is almost like. It, it kind of almost has to be done, does it? Like you have to do stuff with other bands or kind of like become friends with other bands so that you know that like there'll be some people at the gig in like Galway or something like that, is it? Um, I, I'd say that the level we operate at, yeah, I think that that's maybe necessary. You know, it's not uh, it's not too, cal- too calculated either. I mean, you do want to get to know people in the town, you, you like outside of Dublin anyway. Like it's great to... Um, to swap gigs or, or share share a bill with bands from other towns you know it just it makes things a lot more interesting um i mean this time around from galway we have a band uh, field trip on the compilation and i've played uh like last year i would have played three or four gigs with them uh, opening for them as like just just on my own doing like a solo slot to help them out um so i'm delighted to have them on this compilation and, and get playing some gigs with them again um similar thing with Doff, we've played a couple of gigs like we did an album launch down in Galway uh back in September and they were on the bill for that and it's it's really nice having them back for this this kind of thing so i suppose it it feels like it's quite instinctual to in terms of who's on the compilation it was kind of instinctual as far as bands we might have played gigs with over the last 3 4 years be it Fonda from Limerick Doff from Galway or even like that snake from Dublin um and like going going back to that uh great press release which i mentioned earlier uh it's okay oh, <laughs> did you see the video on did you see the um butcher based video the, i did i did that was just released uh earlier this week as we're recording um where did the idea of the butcher come from just before we get to what i was um going to ask there apologies for interrupting <laughs> um yeah the, there's the artwork of a litany of failures volume two contains a um, kind of sickly looking butcher 
um, with a speech bubble that is simply meat innards. Um, Paul O'Connor from That Snake, who uh, has helped me organize this himself, and Stevie Lennox have been organizing the compilation with, he initially proposed that we use this as an album cover way back in um, September of last year. And, uh, you know, uh, despite myself and Stevie being vegetarians, but didn't really want to rain on his parade. So we kind of went along with it. And it's kind of like how, you know, like films that they think of the film title first and work the script, back, you know, work backwards from there. It was a little bit like that. It's like, okay, well, I know that we have this butcher cover, so we better try to make all the promotional materials around this butcher-based. Um, as a result, there's a very good promotional video, uh, not to toot my own horn, but... <laughs> Uh, I'm very happy with this, um, that we filmed in a butcher's in Maynooth, uh, involving um, a lot of Billy Roll. If anyone remembers or has consumed Billy Roll in their life, it's hard to find these days, but we did manage to buy all of um, Super Value Maynooth's supply of us and use it for a video for this compilation. <laughs> um, and and just coming back away from the butcher's shop, uh, the... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I know. Oh man, you were talking about Billy Roll there. It was like going green in the face. I was like, oh, don't <laughs> um, like you know, it's it's quite tongue in cheek, but it's still like toiling in obscurity, wielding their antiquated uh, guitars. You're talking about the first EP there, but is there kind of a yeah. like uh, this music isn't what's like popular nowadays sort of thing? It's absolutely yeah. Like, like I was listening to yeah. the to the album. You sent me a pre-release um, um, uh, stream of it, and I was like, "Oh, this it it's like oh, it kind of takes me back a little bit, you know." Even though on on that first EP as well, you have O'Bolland, who I would argue you're like one of the best bands in the country. Um, but it is kind of, yeah. I do think that pop punk is kind of due a, a resurgence you're seeing that with bands like car seat headrest and stuff like that at the moment and i think that there's a couple of tracks on this that are like okay they're kind of like you know a, a couple of years ago but they're also like that they're, they're the they're coming back into it as well now yeah it, it's hard to talk about these things on a on a uh macro level insofar as is guitar music dead or, or this kind of thing i mean that's the kind of debate that has gone on since elvis was if, drafted into the army you know that, that wasn't um, i i hate I the suppose, idea of actually asking so tell me do you think guitar music is dead because it's all like of course it's not going to be dead anytime soon everyone wants to play guitars still yeah uh to, to a point i suppose it's definitely um a thing that it's not like we're aware that um you know, we are doing things on a DIY level. It's not really um, uh, something that a lot of people are going to pay attention to, or it's particularly um, radio friendly. You know, it's not the kind of, uh, yeah, on trend music um, that, that we're making, but there is that sense of strength in numbers. And I don't know, uh, even like a title, like a litany of failures is kind of uh, tongue in cheek, acknowledging that, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, not hardworking class heroes, but rather a litany of failures. Um, it's kind of a, a contrast to that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um. So, so like, uh, where did the idea for part two come from, or when did you kind of stop with the four track EP, and you were like, okay, what next? Are we going to do another one of these? Are we going to keep the idea of cooperative 
going or are we just going to do our own thing again? Um, yeah, well, it was, I suppose it was a, like a full year between um, coming back around to this litany of failures idea. Like we did, uh, uh, for my band, like we did, we brought up, we were on the split EP and we'd released our own EP uh, the year previous. And then we got around to doing uh, an album. So we released an album in September, October 2017. And then around that time, I met up with Paul and, uh, you know, we started having a chat about doing a second litany of failures, but um, expanding the idea and bringing more people into it. And then we kind of lost the run of ourselves and wound up with an 18 track double vinyl compilation. Um, but it's, uh, I- I'm like delighted with it. I've got seven boxes of vinyl sitting in my living room right now uh, that are mocking me um, from the corner of the room. But um, I don't know. There, there, there's something really nice about documenting all this music that is maybe um, quite ephemeral or is, is quite fleeting. You know, a lot of these bands might not last forever. You know, they might not continue to go on to do numerous albums. It might be a case of, recording this one perfect song that really encapsulates their identity and it appearing on this compilation and uh you know maybe maybe they'll go on to do bigger greater things or maybe they won't but there's something really nice about documenting a moment in time with all these different bands from around the country who are all doing this slightly you know uh not unpopular but certainly um maybe passe thing of playing guitars and uh yeah, it, it, it's a really nice thing in the same way, like uh, just coming back to Cockle Island or, or even like the Richter Collective that I, I would have been inspired by when I was younger. This, this idea that, um, you know, you may know one or two bands on the compilation, but there's a lot of stuff you've never heard before. And then you end up hearing this other track that becomes your favorite song on it. You know, I like the idea of when you listen to a compilation, your favorite song on the compilation is always changing depending on when and how you listen to it. Yeah. And and so like I mean what was what was the start of it? Who were the first bands that you were like ticking off or were you thinking like okay, double LP or is it a double LP album or is it just It is. Yeah. It's a double LP. Like when when did that come into it? When was it like oh, we actually have too many bands? <laughs> like was it that? We have too many <laughs> bands. What do we do? Um like initially we sat and had a cup of tea and, and drew up a long list of people. Um, one of which was Heather Smalls from M people, but we never managed to get to her people. Anyway, um, there was a long list of bands basically that we, we thought of as, um, having some kinship and, and, uh, you know, as I said, it was bands that we would have gigged with over the last few years, um, or heard about, and so there was like a long list of maybe like 30 or so. And then, you know, inevitably, like you're contacting people and seeing who's willing and able. And, um, you know, some people had to drop out and some people weren't able to get a track together in time or they're like sitting on material for an album and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we got Stevie Lennox involved, who is a um, singer guitarist with the band Junk Drawer from Belfast. So there was really like three of us organizing it. Stevie, from his perspective, he was getting bands from Belfast and Letter Kenny involved and Derry. 
um, from my perspective, I was asking, you know, some of the more jangly Pop Island style bands involved. And then Paul being in a kind of quite dark, angular noise rock bands called That Snake. He was also, you know, approaching bands that were maybe of a similar disposition to him. So you've kind of got a, a wide scope of stuff on it now. There's 18 bands. You know, there, there is a sense of... Um, uh, of, of a collective and a community, but also there, there's a, a nice bit of genre hopping here and there as well. And 18 bands, were they, are they all like original one-off songs that were recorded especially for this? Or or what was the story there? Um, how, do, how did you ask the bands like to, to make a song for the album? Um, well, we would have approached a lot of the bands in November. So that gives you a sense of the timeline here. I mean, it's coming out in July and me and Paul would have first met about the idea in September. So it's like, it's definitely like a slow moving process and uh, a little bit like herding cats. Uh, it's a case that, yeah, we asked the bands to kind of give us something by, I think it was like the 1st of March was the initial deadline with a little bit of leeway. And uh, it's almost entirely, it's all, it, I mean, it's all new material. I think there's two bands that, their songs have been leaked elsewhere insofar as like dot song came out on an album they released two or three weeks ago and cherum from Derry, their song came out on an ep similarly like released about a month ago which is you know like it's more on us than it is on on them like we don't you know there's no like uh blame to be put on them there insofar as it's taken us this long from March to July to actually get the physical product ready, the release campaign and butcher videos all in order. These kind of things take time from our perspective, but for the most part, it's all new material. So it's like, uh, no monster club have a brand new song on there. Hot cops, a really great band from Belfast. They've got a, a new song on there. Um, you know, my, my own band here. Yeah. We recorded a song in January. Um, that's, that's new. So it's, it's really exciting. Um, yeah, to have something that is uh, almost entirely brand new and never been heard before. And uh, hopefully people come down to the gigs and engage with what we're doing. So, so like you set this uh, March deadline and like you opened up your email inbox or whatever it was on that day and like all of the bands got back to you. I I bet that like you had to like hound bands like, where's the song you promised me? <laughs> I, I, I find it very hard to believe that everyone hit the deadline. Ah, no, of course they didn't. No, there was, uh, there was like, we had a deadline and then we had a secret deadline, which was later. And then, uh, then there was some hounding after that. We got about like 50% of the music in on the deadline, which was kind of a, you know, that, that was actually like, oh, okay, people are delivering the tracks. It's, it will happen. We just need to pester a few people. Um, also, I will point out just in terms of like, financing a double vinyl record um so that's you know it's slightly costly um to put it mildly you know actually like getting a physical tangible physical product like we thought there'd be more currency in having a, a vinyl record and having more of an incentive for a lot of the bands to actually contribute a track they will have something they can hold in their hands by the end of it like of value as opposed to maybe uh, a CD or tape cassette, which are, uh, you know, not not as much of an incentive, let's say. But um, 
every band involved chipped in uh, a little bit of money. Like, I mean, specifically 70 euro. Uh, not to go too far into, into details, but every band chipped in like a little bit of money towards the project. So it is very much a co-op thing where we've all financed it together. And uh, as a result, we have this, you know, collective products that we're all hopefully quite proud of. And and where did you get the vinyl done? Was it in that new place in Dublin? That's yeah, it's in a new vinyl pressing plant, Dublin Vinyl, catchy name. Um, but they made the thing a bit more feasible, you know, like when we were talking about putting it on vinyl and we were looking at different UK pressing plants and kind of you know, it's it's like house wins, you know what I mean? When you add up like when you factor in BAT and you factor in postage, you know, there's no way around it to actually make it um viable let's say financially viable but um with uh dublin vinyl it it was a lot more reasonable and possible and um yeah i mean for a lot of us it's the first time we've we've been on vinyl i don't know if it's you know strictly the preserve of um middle-aged men whether there is any currency in vinyl or you know whether people will just stream it to their heart's content via Bandcamp and Spotify. But there's, there's, as I said, these seven boxes sitting in my living room at the moment. Obviously, some of them will, will be transported to gigs in due course and uh, record stores around the country. But uh, hopefully, people uh, do have some interest in, in having a physical product they can hold and cherish for many moons i i think that there is still definitely something in actually seeing your name on a physical release like whether that's you know like uh, you know comparing like writing for a blog to writing for a newspaper or a magazine or something like that it's the same thing isn't it it's like uh, just releasing a song on soundcloud anyone can do that there's only a certain amount of people who can actually get their their music onto like a cd or a, a vinyl release now isn't there and it's it's nice to have it personally and it is kind of like validation for what you're doing i don't know if that's getting too deep into it but like do you feel that you're like oh wow this is actually real now we've actually accomplished something different this time uh, yeah we're d- definitely proud of it insofar as like uh the amount of time it took to organize and um the amount of people that are involved as well. And yeah, the fact that it'll always be there as a document, um, you know, like, as I said, people might go on to do different things over the years, but there will always be this nice document of these bands at this moment in time in 2018 from across the country as well, uh, with a sense of continuity to it. And uh, yeah, the fact that it's a physical product um, does matter a lot to me. I think it wouldn't, I don't know, like things, it's it's a lot easier to forget about, you know, something that's simply available digitally. Um, it's a bit, it's it's a lot more ephemeral when it's just up in the clouds, up on the up on the internet, you know, amongst the ones and zeros. There's something nice about having a um, greasy butcher staring at you from your record collection for for years to come. Um, and like, tell me about the Shrug Life song. First of all, that's uh, on the it's a second track on the 18 track album. You you played it with or you recorded it with second comes right after first. <laughs> uh, you recorded it with Daniel Fox from Girl Band, and who's also responsible for my album of the year, Patty Hanna. I need I'm 
beaten that I'm beating that box a lot lately. Paddy Hanna's Fra- <laughs> "Frankly I Mutate" is my favorite album of the year. Is is Daniel Fox uh, is Daniel Fox a genius in the uh, in the recording studio? Uh, let's not like uh, let's not give him any more of a big head. <laughs> you know, I don't want to feed that uh, rampant ego. Um, would be in fear of a Phil Spector complex taking over there if we start to give him too much praise. But um, yeah, it was really fun recording with Daniel. We're currently doing a second album with him, like uh, Short Life. We have about nine songs in the can. Going to record uh, two or three more in September and figure out what we're doing then. And 2009 is the name of the song that we're bringing out on the compilation. And it was our first recording session with Daniel back in. Uh, tentative one in january just seeing what it would be like with him um so it was really positive we'd had the song kind of kicking about for a long time and uh hadn't gotten around to recording it yet and uh yeah i suppose it's quite a a personal song insofar as like it's me like looking back at a very uh testing difficult time in my late adolescence which uh, it's like exercising a demon of like talking about that in a song uh, with a degree of gallows humor, uh, insofar as 18 going on 19 was a uh, a tricky time for me. I lost my mind for a bit and was deemed unfit for school and work in society, as the song um, song details. Uh, have, have you kind of tried to write more personally lately? Are you are you kind of like, uh, let's try this for a bit, or is it just like, oh, I'll just try do this for this one song? Um, no, to, to be, I mean, it, it's always like, sometimes it's more personal than others. Um, I don't really know what prompted me to, to write about that experience, um, explicitly, um, other than feeling like I had enough distance from the situation to be able to laugh at it. Um, insofar as like the song does detail, you know, uh, the ghost of John Lennon was evil and out to get me, which, which is all true. Uh, insofar as uh, I, I was experiencing a, uh, you know, cannabis-induced psychosis at the age of 18, <laughs> in which I uh, d- did uh, really think that, you know, like uh, the lines between uh, delusion and re- reality had completely blurred. And uh, yeah, that, that song, I, I guess I was just able to, to laugh at the situation or see it with some distance and uh, then write about it. But no, I don't know. The, the songs are always quite personal insofar as the, the shrug life situation um, more often than not. Sometimes sometimes you are just like ranting about a situation uh, that affects you and sometimes you're, you're very much talking about your personal goings-on. But um, I don't think it was especially different to what we do already. Um, maybe the song, I suppose, is it's a little heavier than some of the stuff we would have done on our, our first album which was um, maybe a, a little bit more bright. But um, yeah, it's, it's a song I'm really happy with. I'm really happy with how it turned out. Cool. Do you, do you find it kind of cathartic as well, writing writing stuff down on the page like that? Oh, yeah. Like there's a sense of you're at gaining control over a situation by virtue of um, writing about it and being able to step outside of it in a weird way. It's like, you know, by virtue of putting something down in a song, you are not only getting a sense of definition, um, so it's not just like ping-ponging around your head. You're not just like living with those thoughts in your head. You have some kind of um, space for it to exist and a space in which to uh, examine it 
and also step outside it. And also, yeah, I mean, you kind of get a release from talking talking or singing about something like that. You know, um, anytime we played that song live thus far, it's been really uh, a really great release to, to sing about it and kind of, um, oh, you know, just kind of put it to bed in a way, you know. Right, yeah. And, and like, just conversely, like, is it weird actually, like, once it's actually down on the page, showing it to someone else? Um, or, or are you used yeah, to it? Yeah, I mean, I remember. I suppose. I suppose. Um, I I am used to it. Um, there's a thing. I mean, once it kind of gets through the rehearsal room process, anything after that, it doesn't. You know, I I wouldn't really feel self conscious about it after that. It's actually kind of getting over the initial hurdle hurdle of bringing it to the two people I collaborate with musically. So, um, Josh who plays the drums and Keith who play the bass. You know, I'll bring in the like. I write all the words first for our songs, um, so that 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 part is already all established, all the the lyrics. And um, I remember like showing uh, the song 2009 to Josh, and he was like, "Oh, do you really want to talk about this? Are you like comfortable like airing all of this sort of thing?" And yeah, I mean, the point is that you are at a you are comfortable. You, you reach a stage where you you're happy to vocalize something and it's cathartic and it's it's better out than in as they say Owen <laughs> and uh that's kind of where where things are so once once they're happy with what I'm singing about um you know it's it, it doesn't really bother to me like the the notion of how a listener is going to receive it is way too abstract um it's more and as well like I mean playing it at a gig or that kind of thing you don't know how much is actually being received uh, there and then at a, at a gig, you know, it's uh, the people that you're in a rehearsal room with arranging the song, playing it again and again and again. Once you get it past uh, to a point where they're comfortable with it, it's fine. Yeah. And just, just coming back to the uh, album, I think the first track that you kind of released from it was Postcard Versions song, uh, yeah. Sunday Morning with Nate, a new band Postcard Versions, is it? They they are. That's their debut single. Um, what a single! I know it's great, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, it's a very pleasant slice of, of of summer jangle pop. I I would say akin to um, I don't know. Actually, I won't start making comparisons because they'll probably just wrinkle their noses. But uh, I think it's a great song. Fun fact: there is no hi hats or cymbals on that song. If anybody is listening out again, you probably didn't notice it the first time round. But the drums on that, uh, there is no, because, of, yeah, it's, it, there's, there's no cymbals or hi-hats or anything like that on that particular uh-huh. song. And it was home recorded and- as well uh, by the singer Ross Hamer. But they, um, sorry, just to come back to them, they are a quintet from Dublin. They uh, are comprised of members of Tandem Felix and, uh, if you may recall, a band called Jet Setter oh, yeah. from a few years ago. So that's Ross and Paddy from Jet Setter. This is their new project, Postcard Versions. I'd seen them live uh, supporting Ultramond um, back in, I think actually in November, and I would ask them after the gig if they had any material or would be interested in contributing something. And uh, yeah, those guys have been great insofar as uh, really helping with the press hustle and, and supplying that excellent video. 
uh, we, we can't get into all 18 tracks. So tell me about this band. Tell me about this band. Tell me about this band. Do you, but I'll, I'll put yeah. you on the spot and try and get 17 other bands uh, angry or 16 other bands angry at you. Do, do you have a favorite? Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite song on the album that isn't Shrug Life? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to actually grab one of the records and have a look. Um, well, I'll try to name things quickly. Like um, the Hot Cops song is, is great. Bell of the Tar Pits. Um, they're a fantastic band. Um, Any Joy from Cork. I really like their song called Sucker, um, which is it. When we were actually arranging the compilation, that was what I described to the other guys was like the um, the mean or median it's like in the in the exact middle of the Venn diagram of this compilation insofar as we could have put that anywhere in the track listing and it would have sat next to any other song. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me. Not so much. No, no, I get I yeah, get it. I get it. It's like there's a lot of songs where you couldn't you couldn't put oh well you wouldn't put that snake next to Big Monster Love, but you could put any Joy's song anywhere on the compilation and it would sit nicely. So that's a really good song. Um I really like the junk drawer song "Year of the Sofa," which is <laughs> like uh, fantastically apathetic. And also, there's like a really, really amazing um, ballad by Big Monster Love. Big Monster Love is um, a guy called Cormac who used to release his music on Popical Island. This is the first song he's released in, I would say, about five years. And I managed to coax him into contributing a track. His song is called "Undonabate Beach." And it's like really uh, wistful. There's some like seascape noises on it. It's him on uh, on the keyboards. And he's described the song as about uh, an incident many years ago where he didn't get the shift. But uh, it's, it's more poignant than all that, um, if you're willing to check it out. Uh, and any more songs or bands that you want to uh, bring to our attention? Um, well, the opening track is by Dot. It's called You Don't Have To. I think in terms of the the times that we're living in, it's a really relevant song. It's called, uh, it's about, you know, consent and the similar thing with the closing track by alien. She, um, who released their music usually on art for blind records, alien. She, their songs called shields. And, you know, the main lyric in it is, uh, Oh, like, why do I need a human shield to get through this, uh, situation? It's again, talking about like, um, I suppose issues around, you know, consent and how women are perceived in our society today and their song is nine minutes long and they recorded it um during the big snowstorm in march so their their track was one of like the last ones we got because they recorded it when there was all that ridiculous weather and they basically got cabin fever and recorded this nine minute song which closes the compilation and uh yeah i like i would i would say it's uh, an engaging unforgettable listen if you you know the first time you hear it to be honest well yeah i mean it's it's 18 tracks to to sink your teeth into and uh people are going to have their favorites like i mentioned that postcard version song and also the cherim track number 15 take it back also really grabbed my attention but i think yeah there is kind of you know to use that old cliche there is something for everyone in the collection so uh kudos on that and people can see um a litany of failures live playing throughout July depending on when they're listening to this podcast you might have missed some gigs you might be in the wrong city for a gig but um yeah definitely 
try and get out and uh, catch them live. Are you looking forward to playing with uh, some of these bands? Absolutely, yeah. It's our, it's our first gigs for a while, and um, it's it's a, a really uh, exciting thing to be putting on. Well, first off, like we're playing in Galway on the 13th of July, which also happens to be the release date of the gig and also happens to be not that I organized this, but it, it's my birthday as well that day. So that's, uh, I will be becoming a year older that day. And it is a, a nice thing to, to feel like, oh, you know, I'm not just wasting my life here. I'm playing a gig in Galway with Dawson Field Trip and we're releasing this record. Um, so that's the, that's the first of the gigs, uh, Friday 13th of July in the Roisin Dove. Then on Saturday the 14th, we have an all-day electric extravaganza insofar as you can bring your own Bujail to Jaja Studios in Stony Batter, Dublin 7. So this is like an art studio space that we are setting up a, a BYOB gig with 10 bands playing. It's going on all day from about 2.30 until 11 p.m. We're going to have 10 of the 18 bands from this compilation playing that day, uh, which should be, you know, full of stress, joy, and... Uh, unpredictable moments and then also uh, we also uh, are going to belfast on thursday the 19th of july we have a gig there with hot cops junk drawer ghost office so the belfast band's kind of playing at that in the art department thursday 19th of july then on the 21st of july we're coming to cork we have any joy and the sunshine factory two bands from cork playing at that with support from nerves from dublin and that's on in the Roundy in Cork on July 21st. And then on July 27th, we will finish our fun at the Pharmacia in Limerick. And that is with Fonda, band from Limerick, alongside That Snake. And once again, Nerves on the bill for that one. So yeah, five gigs throughout the country in July. Uh, hopefully it's in a town near you, listener. And uh, you might be inclined to uh, to go along and see some Local music, support the scene, man. <laughs> well, listen, Danny, congratulations uh, on the album and best of luck shifting all of those boxes of vinyl that are in your living room and, en- and enjoy <laughs> the gigs. I need your luck, Owen. I need that luck indeed. Thanks so much for uh, asking us to have a chat today. It's been a pleasure. So that was Danny Carroll from A Litany of Failures Volume 2 and the band Shrug Life as well. And I mentioned at the top of the podcast that my favourite track on the uh, Litany of Failures compilation was Postcard Versions. And yay, a surprise. Let's listen to that track now. Sunday Mornings with Nate from Postcard Versions. You can get A Litany of Failures Volume 2. You can listen to it online on Spotify and you can also find it on uh Bandcamp as well. If you just Google Bandcamp, I'm sure that it will uh, come up. It's well worth your time, and I'm looking forward to hearing more from um, uh, from postcard versions. Uh, hopefully, there's a lot more to come. Uh, a litany of failures. Bandcamp.com is where you can go to buy the album on vinyl, support Irish music, put your money where your mouth is, and this is postcard versions with a track called Sunday Mornings with Nate. Thanks again for listening to The Point of Everything.